0: Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're delighted that you've joined us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your hearts and minds as we enter God's Word.
1: Thank you, Jan, David, and all of our musicians. We are so blessed in this church with an abundance of talent. And uh, uh, music has been such an important part of my life. Uh, you wouldn't know it to hear me sing or play, but uh, nevertheless, it has. And uh, that's where I really worship, <laughs> uh, is at the piano alone, <laughs> Um when I was a boy, uh, uh, as soon as the preacher started, I put my head in my mother's lap and went to sleep. Uh, <clears throat> that might be a good suggestion for you, too. Uh, but uh, uh, but when the invitation started, then I woke up. I stayed awake through all the song service, David, but uh, the, the sermon, uh, not, not so much. Yet. But anyway, we'll try to keep you awake this morning. Good morning. <clears throat> it's good to be with you. I appreciate the uh, invitation and the opportunity from our pastor to... Uh, Preach in his absence today Uh, you know uh, uh, he never does this on easter Uh, but it's it's always these holiday weekends you know when people are going to be away or when it's raining i think he knows those things ahead of time and uh, that's when the scrubs get to preach i mean the substitutes get to preach Uh, and so but i'm grateful uh for for every opportunity to share and you're my church family and uh, it's good to be with you, and I, uh, I'm, I'm appreciative that he allows me to do this, and I consider it, I consider it a privilege. Um, turn in your Bibles, if you will, to Romans 13. Just hold it there. We'll look at that in a few minutes together. That's where we find our text today from God's Word for the basis for what we're going to share on a wonderful subject uh, that you might think, at least from the title, has nothing to do with Independence Day or Freedom or the Fourth of July, But when I tell you our subject is never out of debt, never out of debt, that's an encouraging word, isn't it, Dick? Yeah, never out of debt, never out of debt. And some of you feel like that this morning, probably, uh, that uh, you're never going to get there. Well, in some respects, you're not. Uh, In some ways, ways we can. But uh, join me, if you will, for just a moment of prayer as we begin the message. Heavenly Father, be with us today. Bless now your word. And help me as I share it. Help me to uh, in no way hinder what you want to do and say here this morning. You know the needs that are here, Lord. Meet them through everything that's said and done in this service. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Back in December of 2014, for the first time in over 40 years, I think, I was... Finally, financially, out of debt. And um, it was a great day. And it was really special special to me. Uh, I shared it with my sons. I told them. But, you know, somehow or other, it just didn't seem to mean the same thing to them as it did to me. When I went to the bank and I wrote that last check... (laughs) to pay off the mortgage on the place where I live. It was it was really a good feeling to be finally financially out of debt. No, I didn't have a 40 year mortgage on my home. <laughs> I've only been a homeowner for about 20 years. Uh, and in that time I've, well, most of the bank and I have owned five different homes. Uh, and, and I've lived in the last one uh, 10 years now. So that tells you, you know, I moved quite a bit those first 10 years uh bought and sold but but it was great to be finally out of debt but it was kind of anticlimactic because when i went to the bank and wrote them the check i i really would like to have for them to given me back that paid that paid mortgage you know with that stamp paid on it. there it is uh, but, you know, I had to wait in the mail for, I think, even a few weeks because they think they've got to send that thing to the courthouse and get it recorded and do all that kind of stuff, you know, before you actually get your finally paid in full mortgage back from, the, back from the bank and back from the courthouse. But I was grateful to be out of, out of debt. My goal was to be out of debt by the time I retired. I'm 67. I was 66 in January of 2015, and I retired from work at my last really paid employment, University of Cumberland's at the end of 2014. And my goal was to be financially out of debt by the time I officially retired and God enabled me to do that. And I am so very, very grateful that he did. But I realized that it's, it's very difficult to live absolutely without debt. Very hard. Our society, our culture, our world is not built that way. We are perhaps more than ever in history uh, a society, a culture that's built on credit and debt. That's just who we are. That's just how, how it is. I like to think that I live without debt now, but in, in reality and truth, I honestly don't because most of us have credit cards, and until the end of the month, until that automatic thing from Chase and Visa or whoever hits my bank, you know, until then, I'm technically in debt, at least a little bit, <laughs> uh, every, every month or, or, or perhaps something else. I try to keep those things to a minimum and pay them off. Uh, at, at the end of the month, but it's very difficult to live a, on an absolutely cash basis in, in our world. Um, the Bible doesn't say a lot about financial debt. Paul addresses it a little bit here in this passage in Romans when he says in verse 8, chapter 13, verse 8, let no debt remain outstanding. Let no debt remain outstanding, Paul says. He doesn't say that we are to incur no debt. Be very difficult to live in our world today and to live your whole life without ever incurring financial debt. Paul doesn't say to live without totally without debt. But he says, let no debt remain outstanding. Our economy is driven by debt. Um. If you don't believe the world wants you to be financially in debt, then you don't go to the same mailbox and get the same mail that I get. (laughs) Any of you get credit card offers in the mail? Yeah, some nods. Yes. Are you awake? (laughs) Are you sure? (laughs) They come weekly, if not daily. They want you to take out their credit card. Every store, every, every bank, every company wants you to take their credit card. And if you take their credit card, you know, they're going to give you all these extra perks, you know, and this or that or the other. The world wants you to be in debt. And I got admonished for saying what I'm about to say, but I'm going to go ahead and say it again anyway uh, in the first service. But uh, anyway... Uh, The banks, and this is not all bad, not saying this to cast aspersion on folks. This is just how it is. The banks, the credit card companies, the merchants, even real estate agents. That's the one that got me after the first service. And on and on and on. They all want you to be in debt. Right? Right. That's how our economy works. They want you to be in debt to them. (laughs) Part of the for the most part, as long as we can handle it, that's fine. If you if you know that you you can you can pay your debts on time and, and so forth, fine, well and good. The troubling part about this is for a lot of Christians, this poses a problem. Because there are a lot of believers in Christ who are so heavily in debt financially. That they cannot do what they would like to do or ought to do to support the work of God in this world. And that's sad. They simply look at their financial situation or you look at your financial situation and you say, There's just not enough money to pay all my bills and also give something to the church, give something to support God's work. Well, I've got a little secret for you. It's not really a secret, but it's this. That equation is never going to work for you in all likelihood until you get your priorities right. Until you give God what is rightfully his, according to his word, first. Then you'll have a much better chance... Of getting your financial house in order. The Bible even says that. Trust me. Try me. Prove me. God says. (laughs) Test me on this. If you'll put God first. What you have left. Will come a lot near covering your debts and your obligations financially. Than if you don't put God first. Financially. Financially. Collectively, we also have a financial debt that we really had rather choose to ignore because it's unsettling. In preparing this, I thought, well, I'm going to see if I can find this. And I found something online called the National Debt Clock. I want you to watch it with me for just a moment, just a few seconds, and you'll you'll see what I'm talking about. It's rather sobering. Can we bring it up? There it goes. Are the numbers going down? No. And that's a few days old. That's a clip that that Mike and, and, and Lisa graciously made for me several days ago. And that number in front, that 19, you know the word that goes after that? Trillion. 19 trillion dollars. <laughs> and if you go online, you can do that. Just go to www.nationaldebtclock.org and, and you can see it and, and you won't want to watch it for very long because you'll see the dials and they're just spinning. And it's, it's, it's not a good feeling. <laughs> it's not a good feeling to know what that means to you, but not only what it means to you, but, but to your kids and your grandkids and even for me, my great granddaughter. <laughs> it's not a good feeling. Financial debt, financial debt. The Bible doesn't say a lot about it, but Paul does say that as Christians, we are obligated to pay our debts. It's a matter of honesty. It's a matter of keeping our word as children of God. We're to do what we promise to do, and that's basically what a debt is. But then there's also civic debt. There's civic debt, and Paul talks about that in this, in this passage of Scripture. Chapter 13 verse 1. If you want to read or follow along with me, everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities for there's no authority except that which is God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. Paul's talking about civil government here. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and he will commend you. For he is God's servant to do you good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword for nothing. He is God's servant, an agent of wrath, to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it's necessary to submit to the authorities not only because of the possible punishment... But also because of conscience, Paul says. Verse 6, pay attention. It's what you came to church to hear this morning. This is also why you pay taxes. For the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Verse 7, give everyone what you owe him. If you owe taxes, pay your taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. We have a civic debt. And if Paul could say those words, living under a, in some ways, a tyrannical form of government, namely the Roman Caesar, then how much more is that obligation on us as Christians who live in a what we like to call a free land under President Barack Obama and our Congress and our state government and so forth. We're obligated, Paul says, as believers to be good citizens, to pay our civic debt And you're probably about as excited, I don't know, I'm walking on thin ice here and I know that, you're probably about as excited over the prospects for our next president of the United States as I am. Some of you have already heard this in Sunday school class and some of you Facebook people have already heard this as well, but I'll tell the joke and I know I may offend somebody if I do, I apologize ahead of time. Do you know who survives if both Clinton and Trump are stranded on a desert island? You know? America survives. (laughs) America survives. I thought that was precious. I I saw it on somebody's Facebook page. (laughs) Pray for them, folks. Pray for all of us uh, in in the choices that... That we have. But Paul says as citizens. We receive certain benefits. From the government. And because of that. We have certain obligation. To our country. And to our civil authorities. The religious leaders. Tried to trap and test Jesus one day. And and they said you know. Is it right for us who are. Freedom loving Jewish citizens who are being occupied by the Roman government, is it right for us to pay taxes to Caesar? They're going to put Jesus on the spot and put him in a trap where they think there is no right answer. He's got to offend somebody regardless of what he says. And they weren't realizing that they were trying to trap the creator of the universe and their own very creator. And Jesus simply said, What did he say? He says, Bring me a coin. Bring me a coin. This is what the coin looked like that he would have shown them. That's, that's a denarius. The picture on there is uh, Tiberius Caesar. That's exactly what the coin would have looked like that they brought to Jesus. And he said, whose image is on the coin? And they said, why, Caesar's. And you know Jesus' response. It's recorded for us in the Gospels. Jesus said, give to Caesar what's Caesar's and to God what's God's. So Jesus, our Lord himself, even bore out what we're saying this morning is that we have a responsibility as Christians to pay our civic debt, whether that be taxes or however we may look at it. And we have that wonderful agency called the IRS, Infernal, I mean Internal Revenue Service, that helps make sure that we pay our civic debt, right? Right? You know, and the good news is we can pay our tax bill in full, and most of us do, most of the time. But there is also a civic debt that we cannot pay in full, and we've already uh, alluded to that in several ways in the service this morning. I'll show you a couple of pictures. This is an example of what I mean, that we have a civic debt that we can't fully pay. Anybody know what that picture is of? Tom, that's the American Cemetery at Normandy. I realize it's a long way up, and you're not used to seeing it from an aerial view like that. There are over 9,000 American servicemen built, it's buried in that cemetery. That's Omaha Beach in the background. Second picture. Anyone know what that one is? That's the American Cemetery in Manila, Philippines. There are over 17,000 American servicemen buried there. The largest American cemetery outside the geographic United States. People who literally laid down their lives that we might be free. Along with all of those of you who have served, who stood up earlier in the various branches of our armed services. We owe you. We owe you a debt that we can't fully repay. We can pay on it by living as good citizens day by day, by paying our taxes, by praying for our leaders, by doing what is right as believers in Christ. We expect even those who are not followers of Christ to do what's right. (laughs) But we also acknowledge that we're all sinners and we all fall short. One more word about civic debt, and that's this, is that God has blessed us as a nation way out of keeping with the level of our devotion to him. I'm not sure why that I understand all that. I have some ideas, but I believe that he has. I'm convinced that he has, and I'm grateful that he has. I'm grateful to be able to live in this land we call the United States. But there's a third debt that Paul speaks about. Going back to verse 8, he says, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. Our spiritual debt exists really in two dimensions. Paul only talks about one particularly here. We'll deal with the horizontal dimension, the horizontal aspect of our spiritual debt first. And that is put in three little words that we often see in the financial realm. Looks like this. I owe you. You say, well, you don't owe me anything. Yes, I do. I owe you. I have a responsibility to love you, to be kind to you, to treat you as one of God's creations. But even more than that, Paul says over in chapter one of Romans, verse 14, Paul says, I am a debtor. I am obligated to both the Greeks and the non-Greeks. What did he mean by that? He goes on to say, Paul says, I am obligated to you. I owe you the gospel. To every other human being on this planet, I owe the gospel. I am obligated. I owe you. You owe me. We owe each other. As believers in Christ, we owe the world the gospel. We don't usually like to put it in those terms. We we make strides. We make efforts to try to do that. And we're supporting now approximately 3,800 to 4,000 or so Missionaries of our International Mission Board as Southern Baptists and there are lots of other Christian missionaries around the world and those numbers have been reduced by about 1100 over the last few months if you're not aware of that for Southern Baptists we brought that many home over the last several months calling it early retirement or those kinds of things whatever you want to call it losing some of the best people we had out there bringing them home early. We say we believe in missions and we do and we give to missions whether it's international missions or North American missions or state missions or local missions and we do as a church we believe in it and we say that's you know we're helping to fulfill our obligation to the world to share the gospel but you and I and it also comes down it comes down to a personal obligation a personal debt I owe my neighbors. And my friends and my acquaintances, I owe them the gospel. How effectively I'm, and I'm afraid to say in my case, I'm not sure very effectively. How effectively am I sharing the good news of the love of Jesus with them? That's a debt I cannot fully repay. I can only pay on it day by day. As I share the good news, as I share the love of Jesus with those that God brings into my world. But then there's a vertical dimension to our spiritual debt. And Paul doesn't speak to this so much, but he does elsewhere in his writings. I owe God. I have a sin debt, you see, to God that I can't pay. The Bible says that all of us are sinners. Everyone, every one of us has fallen short of what God expects of us. We've missed the target. The Bible calls that sin. The Bible says the God we serve, the God who is, is a holy God. And the Bible teaches us that our sin separates us from that holy God. God. What do we do? What do we do? Well, that's what the gospel is. The good news is, is that God has done something about that debt that we owe him, that sin debt, that we cannot pay. Jesus paid it for us. Jesus paid it for us. Paul says it this way over in Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature or of the flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations that stood against us or stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. When Jesus willingly, voluntarily laid himself down on that wooden cross and stretched out his arms. And those Roman soldiers drove those nails through his hands and through his feet. It was God's way of paying the debt that I can't pay, that you can't pay. And he nailed it to the cross and he took that I owe you to God on behalf of Steve Thompson and he marked it paid in full. I can't pay that debt. All I can do is try to live a life of service and love to that Savior who willingly gave his life in my place. That's the horizontal dimension of our spiritual debt. Where are you this morning? You have financial debts that you can't pay? Then take it to God. Ask Him to help you. Put Him first. That's the first step that I would advise you to do. You have civic debts that you can pay, some that you can only pay on. Be a good citizen. Obey the law. Respect our government. Pray for our leaders. Above all, pray for our leaders. If you've never prayed before, pray for our leaders. And then we owe one another love. We owe one another the good news of the gospel. And are you here this morning and you're struggling with that sin debt that you cannot pay? Let Jesus pay it for you. Let him pay it for you. You say, how do I do that? You simply come to God in desperation and earnestness and say, oh, God, I acknowledge the fact that I'm a sinner, that I'm lost. And my sin separates me from you. I ask you to allow what Jesus did on the cross to pay my sin debt. God says if you'll do that, if you'll trust your life to him, if you'll believe in Jesus, that he'll take that debt away. Will you do that this morning? We're going to pray, and then we're going to stand together and we're going to sing. Pray with me, if you will. Heavenly Father, thank you for doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Thank you for paying that debt. That was simply too big and way beyond us. Father, help us this day. You be Lord during this invitation time. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
0: We hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on Contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Keyword, MyWRBC. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening and join us next week for another message from God's Word.